the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Welcome back to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. I am Danny Smith alongside my good friend, the ever hardworking, ever esteemable, all the superlatives that he deserves, Ben South. Ben, how are you today? I'm good today. My wife might disagree with you on some of that always hardworking and those kind of things, but yeah. well, you, you know, I don't, I'll well, take some of it, but I'm not always hardworking. Well, you know, I, well, you know, I tell you what, I don't say it enough and then people need to know how much work you do to make this uh, podcast work here and happen every week. And so uh, I think you're a hardworking guy. Plus, I didn't get a lot of superlatives growing up, so I throw them out that way. And, uh, that way, we can, you know, it's our podcast. We can say what we want. We can, we can say can what we want. That's what right. Want. Today's work consisted mostly of bringing in firewood this morning. We got a big ice storm that came through yesterday. Another one this year, and so uh, that was most of it. Had to leave the house this afternoon to come record, but you know, we're we're hanging in there, working hard, heading into spring soon. It's been something to watch uh, the. Uh, the Arkansas weather, of course, you know, out here in Wyoming, you know, in many ways it's been fairly mild, but it's been negative temps. I mean, just by Wyoming standards, it's still been cold the last week. We're at 18 degrees today as I record, and it feels a little springish outside when it's been negative five or 10 below. And, you know, when uh, I keep thinking the Lord will call me to church plant in Miami or the Caribbean, but uh, that hasn't happened yet. Well, y'all keep it out there. Well, today we've got a great... That's uh, right. <laughs> keep that weather out west. Today we've got a great uh, guest with us, good friend of ours, friend of the podcast, uh, Ryan Scantling, who is the Baptist Collegiate Minister for the University of Arkansas. Ryan, how are you today? Oh, great. Uh, we're snowed in, iced in the same, uh, and then yeah, I kind of resonate with that. I was in Miami a couple weeks ago in i guess late or early february and i tell you uh they, they have it lucky this time of year so it's good yeah i saw you were down in miami was that speaking for their bcm down there yeah, is I was that kind of doing some trainings and stuff and we're planning the next couple of years to take mission teams down to do college ministry in south miami there are three hundred thousand college students just in the southern tip of florida and so uh we're, we're trying to go help plant and start some ministry down there my goodness that's a lot of uh that's a lot of college students you know it's funny because that area is not huge in terms of yeah like land Safe. mass that's pretty dense yep yeah well, half the land is swamp you think and yeah, I know that's you exactly right it's way outside of arkansas but in arkansas there's 150,000 college students so there's twice that many just in the southern tip of florida miami wow. south so well ryan take just a minute and introduce yourself to our listeners and your ministry and what god's got you doing yeah, so for the last eight years, I've done Baptist Collegiate Ministry in the state of Arkansas. Uh, so I work for uh, kind of the state Southern Baptist denomination, Arkansas Baptist State Convention, and uh, was in Conway for seven years, and then have been at University of Arkansas now for just short of a year. And so I work on behalf of a lot of churches doing college ministry on campus, and so I lead BCM and, and run a staff team there. And yeah, it's been fun. Love it. Uh, married to Allie, been married for just over two years. And yeah, it's been crazy. This whole transition has been wild, buying a house up here and all that stuff. The housing market anywhere, Danny, I'm sure you've encountered that even up north is crazy. So, but it's been good. 
crazy even how different, if you know Arkansas, you understand, but from Conway area where you were to northwest Arkansas, it is a completely different environment and culture in a lot of ways. Yeah, sure. We have a lot more out-of-state students up here. This is kind of the flagship uh, school for the for the state. Um, SEC school, so just a different environment. Driving by the stadium every day is different. Um, but it's fun. We've enjoyed it. Uh, I like being at the big school, but I, I definitely miss a lot of our churches in Central Arkansas. Um, yeah, you're kind of out of the way now from where you were, and you were in Central Arkansas close to just about everything. Now you're kind of isolated up in the corner. That's it. That's but, it. But you're isolated with a big chunk of the population. So I guess. Very true. When you moved up there, what were some of those new things you had to learn that maybe you thought you knew how to do that you had been doing in collegiate ministry, but moving to a new location, what were some things that were like, hey, I didn't expect this to be new and different? That, that's actually a really good question. Some I've been reflecting on the last couple of months because I, I think I've made more mistakes in this transition than I've made in any of my previous ones. So I've done college ministry at Arkansas Tech, which is a small rural school, um, University of Central Arkansas and some surrounding schools, which is uh, kind of a little bit more in between. Um, those are more regional schools. And then now at University of Arkansas, one of the big shifts has been, and I'm, this is no disgrace to other students from other schools, but University of Arkansas is kind of a higher academic level. At, at UCA, this is what I found, and I, and I would have never said this working at UCA, I did a lot of ministry with students who were preparing for like med school, preparing to be lawyers, all that stuff. But they were the sons and daughters of farmers, of blue collar folks. Whereas at Fayetteville, most of the students I do ministry with are the sons and daughters of white collar folks. So it's a different mindset um, and doing ministry with more white collar students is much different than doing it with blue collar students. And so it's just a different environment. Certain things work better, certain things don't. I found this, and I would even like some of your input on it, with kind of blue-collar churches and even uh, leadership within collegiate ministry, I find that like selling vision happens a little bit quicker uh, because you cast vision and you say, hey guys, this is what we're going to do. This is going to be exciting. And the mindset of more blue-collar workers, which is where I've grown up, honestly, I grew up in farmland, Arkansas, was, oh, hey, whoever's in charge, you just listen to them and let's go do what they do. But in more white-collar environments, more high academic environments, like University of Arkansas, for example, I have to really build teams and get buy-in more. Um, so that's been something I've learned a little bit more. The, these folks kind of have this idea that, um, oh, we don't just follow you because you have a positional authority. Um, we follow you because we've helped craft the vision, that kind of thing. So, so that's been a big difference that I've learned in this transition. And that might even be something that would transfer out of the collegiate ministry context, even to the church context as a whole, depending on your geographic you know, location. If you're more of a rural slash blue collar congregation, you might have that more, hey, let's just follow the leader. We're all one big team. Let's just go do, we'll do what the leader says. Whereas in a more suburban, urban environment or a more white collar, highly educated formal education, let's say it that way, sure. yeah. uh, environment, you're going to need more collaborative work toward pushing and moving people forward. Yeah, that, I've found some of that. And, and some of it is these students are doing that kind of stuff in their research and in the classroom. And so they expect that kind of thing out of the churches they serve in, um, their volunteer opportunities, different stuff like that. They, they want to have some, some buy-in a bit more than any other students that I've done work with, honestly. So that's been fun, but it's been challenging. 
Um, the University of Arkansas has a large Greek population, not Greek as in from Greece, but um, they're involved in fraternity sororities. So out of the 29 or 30,000 students here, 30%, so 9,000 of them are involved in Greek life. So fraternity sorority life. And that really separates students in a big way. So I found that to reach a Greek students, I have to do basically a separate ministry from our standard ministry. Because when a student rushes in Greek life up here, uh, it sets them on a different set of trajectories. Like they have different friends, they have different schedules, all those kind of things. So we really feel like we run two ministries to do that effectively. Ryan, a couple of thoughts just in sharing that. Uh, you know, it sounds like there's an emphasis there and there has to be on this networking. You know, you, you think of kind of white collar world, uh, you know, part of my journey out here in church planting has to enter into uh, basically I'm working a full time job um, and it's I think would be considered a white collar job It's insurance, uh, which sure. everybody loves the insurance agent as obviously they don't. But. You know, it's funny, the collaboration and the networking that takes place among professionals yeah. really has a high value on it. They're all part of the whatever civic club they consider to be the one. So it's funny that 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 college dynamic you're talking about, whereas the number of resources, perhaps in a more blue collar church or a blue collar ministry are less. Um, there's less to work with. There's even less to worry about at that respect, whereas what you're saying, I think, is and as being USEC can cross over to other ministry is that sometimes you've got to, you've got to be able to multitask in terms of how you network, cast vision and use resources that are far more multifaceted because yeah, reaching someone in Greek life is going to be a whole different schedule, a whole different approach than, you know, reaching someone studying and not a part of something like that. That's not to mention even the fact that the personalities that you have to deal with. Yeah. Well, and one thing that has been, uh, different up here is I have always done really good college ministry running social ministry. So, hey, throw the big events where students can come together and have fun and it, it reaches students. So if you give them a great community that they can interact with, uh, you share the gospel with them, they come to faith. But up here, it's, it's a bit different. So the social stuff still works. I mean, there's nobody more social than a fraternity or sorority. But there's also this value of uh, professional development, I guess you could say. So when I bring in guest speakers to come and talk to them about, hey, this is how you can be a really successful Christian lawyer, people are super interested in that here. And so it's scratching different itches for different people. It's it's much more affinity-based ministry than I've ever done in my life. Um, so a lot of it's identifying a target group who doesn't have an active ministry toward them on campus and saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to hit this hard and this is our strategy to reach them. And then building a team to create buy-in and to collaborate on how to make that happen. So it may be some of that old, even uh, education principle is as you grow, you kind of got to grow smaller sure. that you've got to, as you have more and more people that you're ministering to and reaching out to, you're going to have to focus on smaller pockets of people instead of just casting that wide net you might be more effective in targeting pockets versus just going out and just you know throwing the net in the middle and seeing who catches it and so you can strategically reach groups of people you know if you're in a smaller context the whole school the whole church the whole community is the is the target yeah. but when you're in a group of tens of thousands you, you just can't do that 
you can't reach tens of thousands. Most people can't. Most ministries and churches aren't going to reach tens of thousands of people. And so it's not that you can reach just everyone. Now, there's value in that. And if you're throwing out and casting a net in a big pond, you're going to catch some people. But if you can target your ministry, target your outreach, target your focus based upon the different dynamics in that community uh, or on that campus, you're going to be able to reach groups and maybe pockets of people more effectively by doing that. Oh, yeah. And that's what we found. A couple other learning curves were um, just the, the finances. You know, you get into budgets in whatever ministry you're in and, and it operates differently up here. And so just kind of learning that process. We have um, a ministry facility on campus, which is really great. And we have three houses that we rent and creates rental income. So navigating how all that functions in a budget has, uh, yeah, it's just been something I've had to learn. And so I think a lot of folks in ministry, you're just fired up to share Jesus with people, but the stewardship of all of the resources and, and budgeting is also really important. And so that is amplified in this new role a bit more. So in the collegiate world, post, almost post-COVID, what are some of the things you think maybe you're focusing on or that ministries or churches are going to have to maybe tweak to reach collegiate students in a post-COVID world? That's a great question. Uh, in fact, I've been thinking, doing a lot of research, uh, working on a lot of projects actually recently about collegiate evangelism moving forward. And so... In the past, especially 10 years ago, a lot of our evangelism was very big outreach event oriented. So if you can get a student to come to the Wednesday night service or to the to the camp, to the overnight event, then you can uh, give us a, a strong evangelistic message and charge and they'll respond. And the vast majority of the students that have been in our student ministries the last 15, 20 years have come to faith that way through large evangelistic events. Um, evangelism right now is moving to smaller, more personal areas. And so you think of it this way, uh, a freshman in college right now. So they didn't have the opportunity to go to large evangelistic events, their senior year of high school, their junior year of high school. Those were gone. They were canceled. COVID killed that stuff. And so I think you have a generation of students that are hitting college that have had fewer opportunities to respond to the gospel. And you have a generation of students who are probably a bit more hesitant to approach things in a really macro scale. So I wonder a lot about my 11-year-old nephew who for two years is wearing a mask in school, all these things. Socially, what does that mean for him? He's more anxious in large crowds. And so I think that means some of our ministry, some of our evangelism happens more one-on-one, -on -one, more directly. And so that's the big shift that has happened uh, as far as ministry stuff. Um, we can't rely on the huge event to be the attractional thing, which is what I've been really comfortable with, honestly. So smaller and more intentional has been uh, kind of the mindset, but I still want to do it big. We just have to make the small really matter. So yeah, I love that. I love uh, that idea of making small really matter. Have you, um, how do you share that with your team? And how do you share that with churches? Because I think, all right, I'm like you, I need to, to make this shift, but I'm still kind of ingrained with these things that I've done for so, so long. How are you communicating that to your team? How are you communicating that to your student leaders? And even in situations like this with churches that may be listening, thinking, okay, you know, they're not coming to our Sunday school class anymore, or they're not coming to the Wednesday night worship anymore. So what, what, what can we do? How do you communicate that? 
Sure. So I'll, I'll say two things. Number one, students already know it because they're there and they're living it. So students are already saying we prefer one-on-one, -on -one, smaller interactions. Um, so the, the student that you're trying to reach, like your target is already there. So you don't have to convince them that that's the best way to do ministry. That's that's how they're most comfortable receiving ministry. Um, I think the hardest thing is sometimes convincing myself and the other folks doing ministry with me, like, hey, guys, listen, right now in ministry, it's more valuable for us to spend, instead of 15 hours planning this message, five hours planning this message, so that we can spend 10 hours inviting people to be there and inviting people personally to be a part of what we're doing. Um, I'll just tell you guys, honestly, one of my greatest frustrations with some guys that do college ministry and student ministry is that we have these, these individuals who will spend 20 hours planning a message that 10 students are showing up to hear. Now, we need to be deep in God's word. We need to teach incredible biblical content. But students are more likely to respond if you text them, if you call them, if you're on social media interacting with them. And so my, my philosophy has really shifted the last couple of years that I'm going to spend 15 hours interacting with students and five hours planning the message that's biblical, that's a great charge, because it's the interaction that they value the most, and it's the interaction that they're learning the most from. Um, so, yeah, I, it would be really a sad thing for me to poll students and say, hey, what of the sermon did you remember a day later? Um, because they remember the interactions that we have one-on-one. -on -one. And then when the crisis comes, they interact with me more one-on-one. -on -one. So I think just shifting from this mindset that this big event is the key to, hey, the big event still matters, but we have to do the small one-on-one -on -one intentional things. And, and that's that's the more important stuff, the, the felt need that people are experiencing. Ryan, when you, when you say that, what I, I hear you saying is really more than the big events, the big production, it's even more so now, probably, I think really generationally it was happening before COVID, but COVID probably oh, yeah. has forced it and pushed it it's become more about the relational small connections than it is the big productions and and let me be honest guys i'm a big event dude like i love doing stuff big like i like the parties and the excitement and that's why i love college campuses um but even at the big event students aren't going to big events anymore just for the big event they're going to the big events for the one-on-one -on -one relationships at the big events. So a student is coming to church, not because this church is huge and has a great thing on stage, but because the people sitting beside them in the church are meaningfully interacting with them throughout the week. And so I think it's important to do the big stuff well, but we have to know that the big stuff is not the main thing. Like the main thing are those relationships that are happening maybe as the big thing is going on. And so I'm thinking about our outreach events, you know, like it's more important that I train students well to interact during the event and after the event than it even is about what the event is. And this just goes back again. I mean, this there's such a crossover to church life here because, yeah, churches are figuring out the same thing. But my goodness, the idea that these relationships are going to stick and they're going to endure um, we were talking uh, before we started recording this just a little bit about, you know, the engagement of kind of post-college life, you know, some of the, the, the pitfalls that college students and kids out of student ministries are finding, you know, connecting to a local church. And again, 
big events are great. I'm right there with you. I, I love the big events as well, but maybe what the key in our students and our college students plugging into a local church, both while they're in their student ministry, but even after are going to be those relationships, because maybe that's been one of the issues that they can't get plugged in because they don't have the connections and the churches aren't doing the big event like the campus ministry did the big event. So there's just value to this across the board in both the local church and in the local college ministry to get those relationships started and um, developed. Sure. And you guys know the research. I mean, it was a couple five, six years ago it came out. What makes a student in youth ministry stick through college? It was having adult relationships. And so, you know, it fascinates me. Universities still use one number for recruiting more than most. They use the student to faculty ratio which is crazy. And so even colleges that I think have an embarrassing student to faculty ratio, like one uh, faculty member to 21 students, they still put that on there. Why? Because students want to know that they can interact with somebody who's a professional in their field and be mentored by them relationally as they continue the rest of their life. So yeah, it's all about those relationships. It is. And that gives hope to someone who's maybe trying to do collegiate ministry in a smaller context or a smaller church, you don't have to have the big lights and the show and the big, big environment, the big worship event. You don't have to have the thousands of people because it's not about, like you said a while ago, the person going to the church because of all the thousands of people around them. It's the three or four on the pew. Those same three or four can be on the pew in any size church. And it's about that relationship. And if you want to be effective, I don't think this is a collegiate ministry thing specifically. I think this is just a ministry thing. If mm-hmm. you want to be effective in ministry, develop deep, genuine relationships with people. It was really funny. I had a, a close friend, I won't give all the details, but a close friend who was, man, so bothered because his uh, son was not going to the church that he wanted him to go to in college. So he, he sent his his son off to this college town, and he had called the pastor. The pastor had met with this son individually, all these things. And about nine weeks in, he was so bothered because his son wasn't going to that church. He was going to another church, which is great. But he said, Ryan, why isn't he going to this church? I've got all these connections. I've helped him meet folks here. And, and you know why it was? It was because his roommate, who was his best friend, decided he wanted to go to another church. And so he went where his friends went. Um, and that is the single most determining factor in what students get involved in, like who their friends are and who they connect with. That's right. It's those relationships. Well, I'm thinking of like the community colleges that doesn't quite have the atmosphere that a U of A does. Sure. Again, it's relationships that uh, may not be the same scale, may not have the same. Um, I don't know. It just is a different level of, of ministry. But at the same foundational part of that is building those relationships. And again, it crosses over so well. Uh, One of the things I love about the staff at Central, and again, Ryan, this is something that we bring up quite often is, you know, Ben and these guys have been at Central for years and years and years. And, you know, even coming back out to Wyoming and and years, Ben, and years. And so decade upon decade. Literally Uh, decades. Never actually seen Ben's face. Like he's an old man. That's right. That's right. Just hear your voice, Ben. I think it's important right. to clarify. That. If you think Charlton Heston, if you think Charlton Heston coming off the mountain in Ten uh, Commandments, this has been in the staff at Central. Uh, they, in sweater vests, they wear sweater vests while they do that. Um, but we just lost uh, half our audience. So. I know they're like, shut this clown up. Can you hit mute on this guy? 
where I'm going with it is even in the smallest of contexts to the largest of contexts, it's those relationships that matter the most, putting in the time, putting in the effort uh, and being genuine. Again, I would love to think people have remembered messages I've preached. And every so often somebody brings up a sermon specifically, but more times than not from churches that I've served at, it's the time that you spent with those people. Well, Ryan, as we kind of look forward and turn the conversation a little bit, what's on the horizon for U of A, for BCM at U of A, and for you in ministry? Yeah, I tell you, people ask me all the time, Ryan, how did you know you were called to college ministry? And my honest answer every time is, you know, somebody offered me a job in college ministry, and and I said, God, this is what you want, and there was no red flags, and so I just stepped forward in it. And so I, I love college ministry because I believe it is the most strategic mission field on the face of the planet. Where else can you identify that there's 18 through 22-year-olds at the biggest decision-making point of their life who are going to go and affect the world for the longest number of years after? And so we get to step on that really narrow place in the life of a college student where all of them are at, they're just there for a season, they're making big decisions and do ministry. So I'm excited up here. Um, we've been restructuring some leadership team things, uh, just gearing up to, to be able to reach the whole of campus. Uh, I, I just, I tell you, it bothers me that there are 29,000 students on this campus and a great number of them will step foot on campus and graduate without ever having an opportunity to respond to the gospel. And so we just got to do things to affect that and impact that. And there are other great ministries up here doing great things like there are at most colleges and universities, but, uh, but God has a specific role for us and we're really ready to meet it. We serve a lot of churches and connect a lot of students to a lot of churches. And so we're excited about that. Yeah. So it's just, we, we want to do whatever it takes to move all the marbles forward in college ministry, not only at the University of Arkansas, but in the state of Arkansas. So. so did they, when you moved up there, did they get you properly trained on how to call the hogs? I tell there? you, it is, it is a necessary thing. I'm an Arkansas boy, so, I mean, everybody is an Arkansas fan in Arkansas. If, if you're not, you, you're just not Arkansan. And so sure. um, University of Arkansas is our professional team in a way. So, yeah, I mean, all that said, and I'll tell you guys, if there's listeners who aren't familiar with Arkansas sports, we didn't really have a lot of winning seasons until I got up here. So I don't know if there's a correlation, but I stepped foot on campus. Our deep in March Madness, baseball team's doing great, football team's back in action. Brian Scantling is the key to the Arkansas sports revival. I, I told uh, our chancellor, I had a meeting with our chancellor a couple weeks ago, and I mentioned that to him, but he did not offer me one of the big contracts. He, <laughs> he didn't yeah, extend you need your to get contract. Your agent. That's right. You need to get your agent, <laughs> Sam Pittman's agent. Uh, y'all need to y'all need to G haul on all that. So <laughs> hey, as as an outsider, not you know, of course, I spent many many years in Arkansas. Um, boy, the first time I heard the Hogs called, I thought, what in the world is this? You know, it's uh, such a unique. And I've been to a few Razorback games, and when you get several thousand. Well, it's really quite interesting. It is kind of a eerie type sound at first, especially if you get in a big arena that's full or in a Bud Walton arena when it's packed out and hear the hog call. It can be an intimidating thing. It's great. And I'll tell you, our, our ministry building we're blessed with is literally a block from Razorback Stadium. And so when uh, games are going on and I'm not in the stadium, uh, I'll stay in the building, hang out. There's a lot of alumni passing by, a lot of students. And 
and you can just hear the roar of the stadium like in in that whoop pig it, it's incredible that's very cool well ryan that's thanks fun. for joining us if somebody wanted to get in touch with you or contact you what's the best way for them to do that sure all my social stuff is at ryan scantling um uh, we do uh, a podcast for young adults and college students called Lead Defend, and so um, they can they can follow that and kind of jump in there. We'll um, share yeah, a link all... to it in the show notes. So if you're looking for that, check with Ryan on this podcast. Check out the show notes; so they'll be there. Hey, thankful for you guys. I tell you, yeah, love the second chair leader stuff, and uh, man, incredible content. Thankful that you've had several college ministry guys on at this point. So. Uh, is we are we're never the boss in whatever room we walk into. So we are we are most definitely second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chair, uh, if anything. Yeah. Uh, we love college ministers on here for yeah. sure. There may not be a more strategic ministry that your church could engage with. You as a minister can help support and at least pray for as the That's collegiate exactly ministries. Right. You bet. Yep. Well, ben, I thank you for believing in it so much. You can actually give to support that ministry at hobbyhomecam.com <laughs> forward slash give. So, the fundraiser as well comes out. In. Just saying, right? Just saying. So. Hey, hey, hey. As the spirit leads, if you want to. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to Chair 2 Leaders this week. I hope you'll follow us on social media. Like us and comment wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps other people find it. And we hope to catch you next time. You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.